praise God. And uh, verse 23, but you should read the rest of the story. This is Gehazi and Naaman. But my emphasis is not on Gehazi nor Naaman, but there's a word I want there to talk to you about. And verse 23. And Naaman said, Be content. Take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two chains of garment and laid them upon two of his servants. <coughs> and they bare them before him. God bless him and be seated. I'm going to think about talk about a word that you all hate and I love. And when you find it, you'll be the best, richest person in the whole world. Contentment. 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 And you know how oh, I know I'm in the will of God? While I'm praying, I open my Bible and the Bible went right to the scripture I'm supposed to read tonight. Either angel and blew the pages. I said, that's it right there, brother. Keep on reading. Go search for it. That's the Lord. When God does that to you, take it right to the scripture and in the right will of God. Contentment. I'm going to tell you right now, as far as the world is concerned, things will not get better. I don't wish it against them, but just will not get better. My Bible is Revelation tells me that uh, the economy will get so bad that they'll weigh out bread. Wages will be insufficient to supply your daily need. As a result, government will use it to their advantage and uh, control the populace. It's like a soup kitchen. You line up, you pick a number, and when your number is called, you get your meal. Well, our world is tattooed, so they're prepared to receive a mark. They will not resist it. They'll just receive it. Those who are left behind and didn't make the rapture will, because religious knowledge, will resist it. And of course, they're going to lose their lives in vain. Because once you're left behind, you cannot be saved. All the saved people will be gone. Those the Bible left behind uh, will take the man that come in his own name. He will not come in the name of Jesus Christ. And that man is alive, and you see daily the economy is going direction. I don't know if you know this, but I hear this week that there are 11,000 people in McMurray that depends on the food bank. 11,000. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. So the food bank shelf is empty, and there's a lack of, and they're asking for handouts. People are lining up. I don't know who those people are, but people are lining up. And then they mentioned about the unemployment in McMurray and around Alberta and across Canada. It's growing. It's growing. And, of course, it being less money available in taxes to government. So government security programs will have to be cut back or they operate in a deficit economy. 
and no government want to go to an election with a deficit uh, economy and to balance a budget it simply means spend only what you have and if they do that I don't know if you and me are on the priority list you're a pensioner things could happen now if you got children they give you X number of excess dollars for your vote they tell me but then you're gonna pay it back in taxes the following few months they give it in this hand and take it in another hand they pay it back so you didn't get it for long you know, just for a few days to play with and shop for it but then I later on the tax return I said I want you to pay it back you better pay it back if you don't you pay interest and so he said Pastor what does that have to do with me well all through Genesis up to the book of Malachi God's people have come through times of hard economic seasons they did in the in the days of Joseph Abraham Isaac and Jacob all throughout the Bible and God always had a plan for his people now it is God who control the economy now the church can't just put her head in the sand she will be affected when this is a church I mean members of the church you will be affected Jesus had to pay taxes I said that and they asked does he pay tribute to Caesar he said well I sure do Peter will catch me a fish and the fish he caught was symbolic of people pay his bill so obviously if God's people are unemployed the church is unemployed too and because you're all linked with him now and then there are times when men like Elisha show up on a scenery when there was great famine and prophesied plenty and those who lost faith and confidence in God began to mock and say well if God would open a window in heaven might this thing be well it did happen God did send the plenty but it was he who sent the famine and it was he who sent the drought for whatever reason he did you can't tell God what to do all right but we read in verse 26 Gehazi uh, wanted pay for the miracle done to this man and he lied about it and, and the man said to him be content now, I don't know if Nehemiah knew what he was saying to, to this uh, helper of the man of God, but said to him, be content. And I'm thinking what content means. Content, this little vial here has oil in it, the content. Be content means with the content that you have in your vessel. I'm not sure if I should be content with who I am, but I know I've got to learn to be content with what I have. The difference. I can't change my biology of who I am. So I've got to be content with that until my change comes, when Jesus will come, that change in his likeness. But with what I have is content. What's the content? From this come the word contentment. What's in there? And so he said that, and you know the leprosy hit this man because he lied 
and misrepresent God. God healed this man to let him know who God is. And God didn't want his silver. God didn't want his, his gold and whatever. But maybe Naaman felt it's a missed opportunity. And he lied. Got it. Buried it. Came back. And God said, you know what? Leprosy is going to follow you. In other words, what Naaman was willing to get rid of, Yezai embraced. Well, I want to talk to you about the word content. And to me, content means what you have. And the Lord impressed me the best model of discontent in the scripture is not Gehazi, but Solomon. Solomon. And yet Solomon wrote three books. Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Solomon's Song. And you know, Solomon broke every rule in the book of Proverbs. He broke them all. So I assume he wrote the book of Proverbs before he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm assuming he did. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I didn't check it out. But one thing I know, Ecclesiastes is a book for me, not for you, but for me, a book of guidance while I'm living under the sun. Now he calls himself a preacher. That's what he says the preacher says. So he called himself the preacher. The word preacher is used there. But he sure was not like a preacher. <laughs> if that's how we are, we're in trouble. If we're like that, as he says, we are in trouble. He's writing about a preacher's experience. So it's not about a sinner's experience. It's about a preacher's experience. The book of Ecclesiastes. Because it says the preacher. You know what it says? Look at the folks. Those take my word. Please take time and go there. Chapter 1. And what did he say about the preacher? You talk about the preacher, right? The preacher is talking. So, what is he saying here? What is the preacher saying? Come on, folks, talk to me. The preacher says, vanity, all is vanity. In other words, <laughs> he's calling everything God gave us, what? Nothing, air. He's calling what God gave to us, nothing. But is that true? Is that really true? What God gives you, is it, is it vanity? Is it really? In other words, if you read Job's friends' statements, you'd think they're talking for God. But the back of the book, it says, God says, I don't believe nothing they said. <laughs> they weren't writing about me. They misrepresent me because they didn't represent him properly. Now, I believe when you read this book, this is a man giving his experience. This is not inspired word from God to you. This is Solomon talking about his frustration and his discontentment with everything he has. Now Solomon is the guy that David chose to be king in his place. Absalom couldn't be it. Abinijah couldn't do it. Abinijah couldn't do it. God didn't want them, but Solomon's, I mean, David's son, but God said, no, they're not the man for the throne. So Bathsheba gave birth to who? Solomon. And Solomon was chosen by God and by David and by the priest and the prophet to be king. Now, everything David acquired over those 40 years, riches, silver, Gold, honor, 
I mean everything in the palace. He handed all, every bit of it, to a young man called Solomon. All the enemies that David had, God stopped them from coming against Solomon. God built his around Solomon and said, your reign and kingdom will not be like your dad. You will sit on your throne in peace forever. Nobody's going to come and disturb you. You're going to sit on that throne unchallenged. And, and obviously, in his beginning, he felt very nervous. He's this young man over all these millions of people and all these riches and honor and glory given to him. And he started worrying, how am I going to handle this? At a dream. And God says, hey, Solomon, ask anything you will, and I'll give it to you. Just ask anything. My God, I wish God would do that to me. <laughs> Ask anything you want, anything. I mean, there's a blank check. You should ask it, I'll give it to you. You can have it. And someone said, oh, God, I'm young. I don't have wisdom. And I'm brought to power and authority. And I don't have a clue of leadership, management, being the king, run a palace, run a home. I don't know how to do any of it. <laughs> but I'm on the throne. <laughs> I come to power and don't know what to do with it. How do I handle this, God? Give me wisdom that I may know how to handle myself properly because I don't know what to do. And I don't know why God was so surprised, but the Bible says this omniscient God exclamated, alarmed like I said, my, as, if, as if God would say in our term, my God, my God, can't believe it. This young lad is not asking for gold and silver and popularity and a sword and, you know. He's asking me for wisdom so he can guide my people. He says, Solomon, Solomon, you, you, you don't act normal. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give you what you asked for and even what you didn't even expect it. I'm going to bless you above expectation. I'm going to give you what you ask for and riches and honor and glory and majesty. I'm going to give it all to you. Amen. And give you peace. And if you obey me and keep my commandment, I'll give you long life and a whole lot more. Wow. I said, wow. What would you do? When Solomon woke up, it was just a dream. Not true, not just a dream. It didn't take long for God to test that promise. And the people saw what Solomon did, that a woman traveled six months across terrible terrain just to see and hear him. The guy was so great and so powerful that even Jesus compared himself to him. And so that greater than Solomon is here. Because there was nobody in his day and after him that ever be as wise as him. I don't care if they go to Harvard or any university in town. They're not going to be as wise as Solomon. Because God gave him instant wisdom, instant knowledge, instant understanding.
wise statement of decision and action. That is awesome without going through any secular training. Don't you underestimate God. Amen. Don't you underestimate what God can do because he made your cranium. He knows what part of the brain to touch. He knows what cells to move and synapses to work on. He knows how to put it all together. You know what? Loops and hoops to get over to make you think right and see right and th see things that people don't see about illumination, revelation, and inspiration. He knows how to do it. And so Solomon fame spread. The man became great and popular. But David, before he died, David refused to die because he made God a promise that God, I will not go to my house until I build you a palace. And God said, no, David, you're not going to do it. But it's a good idea. I like what you said. And uh, I like what you're going to do. But guess what? You and your son will. I'm going to reserve it for your son. And David refused to die. And David accumulated silver and gold and ivory and precious materials. And precious silk and purple and colors and all that to outdo the Babylonian Empire building. When it was all done... He says, Solomon, it's all in your hand. In other words, use the wisdom God gave you now to, you know, count the cost and put this building up. And Solomon spent years and building the state. And now God gave Solomon favor. All the nations of the world, instead of trying to overthrow him, handing him stuff. Gave him all the gold he needed, the silver, the ivory, the timber, the workmanship, ships after ship. I mean, around the world. You know, God can do things for you if he wants to. God can give you the right connections. God can put you in a place where people love you to death and don't know why they love you. God can put you in a place where people just give you, hand over all their riches to you, you don't know why they, they're doing it. But God said, give it to them. Give them this place. And Solomon had all that handed to him. Didn't have to lift a finger or work at all. God just gave it to him. Oh, when a man finds favor with God. Oh, when a person is in good standing with God. All things, amen, come. He said, the blessing of the Lord make it rich and had no sorrow. In other words, when God give it to you, he give you the ability to enjoy it. The joy, the happiness, the fulfillment. To have it and not have to worry about inflation and edge and all that stuff. God has given it to all to you. And so Solomon had he built a temple and he built everything that you know he, he thought he should build for God. And God came down, God honored what he did, and God came down and God blessed that place with his Shekinah, like he did at Mount Sinai. And Solomon was famous and his name spread abroad. Now, if anybody should be happy, it's Solomon. Solomon should be the most happiest man in the world. Amen. Should be. But when you read Ecclesiastes, he looked at everything that God gave him and saw never one time in that book said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. I don't find one time 
in Ecclesiastes, Solomon prayed. Unlike his father, David always given thanks to the Lord, magnifying the Lord, lifting up God, and appreciating God, and downplaying his worth and lifting up God's worth. Not Solomon. Solomon looked at everything he had. And what Solomon's problem was, he never had to work for anything. Everything was handed to him. Bathsheba loved him. That's her favorite son. David honored him because that was the man God chose. And all these blessings just fall right in his lap. Let me put it in a carnal way. It's like he won lot of 649, $500 million. And about to lose it in 12 months. Because he never earned it. They tell me people never respect what they have not earned. They have no attachment to it. Doesn't matter if it's a palace. Amen. A brand new car. <laughs> Whatever. They'll smash it. Because there's no sweat investment. So it's not a sweat equity. It was just handed. So, so really, did God destroy Solomon? Or did David destroy Solomon? Or did the abundance of things, or was he promoted outside of his scope of personal achievement? He just come right to the place of having it all. And you would think he would give God thanks, but here we find him discontented, disenchanted, dissatisfied, unhappy, Hating himself, cursing what he has. <laughs> Hello? Never content with who he is and what he's got. But chasing things outside of what God gave him. This man was a man that was chasing for a better tomorrow without recognizing his blessed today. Our folks don't know whether to make you sleep tonight, today. Stay awake. I'm going somewhere. He's chasing more things. He's looking for contentment. And the thing that really got a hold of Solomon was, every time he wrote, it's about, I, I want this. In every case, nothing was denied Solomon. Nothing was ever denied Solomon's wish. Amen? Call it greed or creed, whatever you want to call it, or need. But whatever he desired, he got it. And the more he got it, the more he whined about it. <laughs> this man know how to bellyache when things are good. He'd find something to bellyache about. And how good things were. 
he'd find something to bellyache about and cry about. Amen. But he's been choked by the blessing. Amen. Blame everything. Blame everybody. Blame nature. Blame creation. Blame what he's got. Blame gold. Blame the dumb. Blame the wise. Blame the living. Blame the dead. Amen. Looking for contentment and don't realize he had. So he was a complainer, a discontent, murmuring, fault-finding king. Finding fault. And everything. It's I. Me. I wanted this. I got it. If I couldn't afford it, they gave it to me. <laughs> they brought it to me. They said he had more gold to almost like the whole city of Jerusalem was walking, walking, walking in gold. He piled up so much gold and ivory and silver and so on. And God gave this man favor. But he never found pleasure in anything that was handed to him. And that's very sad. In chapter 2, and verse 1 to 3, he couldn't find pleasure. In chapter 1, and verse 12 to 18, he couldn't find contentment in things. He said, I wanted this. This guy was caught up with things, 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 things. And in every case, he got it. <laughs> He's not like some of us. We desire, but don't get it. We desire to have, but we don't have. This guy desired, it become his. So God became a model of what this contentment is. In chapter 2, in verse 7 to 11, even in possession, nobody was as rich as Solomon. He was a multi-billionaire. I mean, all the girls he wanted, he had them, two, three hundred, five hundred. Had his own private orchestra, his own private concert. Hello. He didn't have to go to Dale Carnegie's Hall to hear anything. Just call for the choir. He can sit there. He's a one-man audience. He sang. All right. Out. Somebody else come by. I mean, this guy is ravished with entertainment. 700 wives, three other concubines. How does, he, how does he meet all those girls? Needs. I don't know how he does it, but he has them all. I mean, this guy had it all. My God, my God. And yet it says it was never enough. Amen. Solomon became so discontent. He didn't like the present situation and despised the future. So I want to talk to you tonight about the hazard of discontentment. Now, I'm going to look at a man called Paul. Paul, like God, God probably stripped him. We're going to turn some scriptures here. In Philippians 4, some things that I wish Paul was around to teach Solomon. Paul said, I have learned to what? 4 and verse 11. Verse 11. I have learned to what? In whatever state I'm in. Now, if you want to be prosperous successful in this Hard times coming. Learn this right now. Because your steps are ordered by the Lord. And God's going to be in charge of your steps. And you're, you're, you won't be in a place by accident. And your success is based on contentment. 
and your contentment, when you have it, you'll perform. And when you perform, that's everything. Paul said, I've learned. Now, I, I learned from training, being a counselor, that you only learn when your behavior has changed. If behavior hasn't changed, then you haven't learned. So somewhere God taught Paul how to suffer once, and have more than enough, and not have too much. Then Paul wrote, in all things given thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5. Go there very quickly on the board, please. Paul's teaching us the key of success, the joy of prosperity. He said, with what I have, I am satisfied. I'm content. Because, God says, I will not leave you or forsake you. Think about it. I will not leave thee or forsake thee. So, he said, be content. First Timothy 6 and verse 6 and 8, go there. Paul is writing again, teaching Timothy and, and the, the young church that he founded. The joy of contentment. This is as powerful as Acts 2.38. What does it say in chapter 6 and verse 6 to 8? But godliness with contentment is astronomical, supernatural, super duper gain. Solomon didn't know that. He said, because you brought nothing in the world and nothing out. In other words, you came in this world with a tight fist and you go down with a fist, open up, let it go. Great gain. You carry nothing in, take nothing out. So you say, might as well, let's not, let's not worry about it. If you have food and raiment, you're not naked, be content. You don't have to wear the latest shirt, latest pants, latest suit, the worst latest shoes, or drive the latest car, or own the newly built home that was just built. You got roof over your head? I want to tell you, friend, you don't sleep better than anybody who's sleeping in a tent tonight in your cathedral. That's even my ten. I snore just like you do. And dream just like you do. In fact, you can't beat Joseph's. I mean, uh, I, I, this man called Jacob sleeping on a rock. His pillow was a rock. And none of you ever had a rock dream like he had. You all get your nice little pillows and never had a dream that he had. Think about it. Some of you sleep in your nice, beautiful home, but never had an angel come by and kick you and say, wake up. But Peter did in jail. Content. Great gain. Wow! I'm a pastor, you believe it. Guess what? I'm blessed today. What up? 
I'm contented. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 8 says what? What does verse 8 says? Go to verse 8. Having food and raiment, be what? Content. All right? Now, Proverbs 15, 16, here's where Solomon was very smart in his day when he was in the will of God. Better is the little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and a lot of problems with it. I promise you, if you got money in the bank right now, you're worried about inflation. You're worried about the economy. If you're in Greece, you're worrying about it. It's in the bank, but it's not yours. They shut the door on you. Think about it. Better is the fear of the Lord than great what? Treasure and trouble with it. Now, I want you to look at chapter 3 of the book of Luke in verse 14. Now, you, you will not find any Ecclesiastes the prayer of Solomon. Nowhere is he giving thanks. Nowhere is he saying, thank God for this. I appreciate this. He's calling it nothing. What is he calling it? Vanity. How dare you call what God just gave you vanity? But he did. He says, oh, vanity. That means it's all air. Now what it says here. And the soul of demand. Uh, a preacher tell them what should they be doing to be content and be happy and so on. And you know it says, be content with your weight. Whoops. Now, I have worked, did I start working today, today, I've never one time asked any of my employers for an increase in weight. If you have to ask for it, then you don't deserve it. Because your work should testify. Ooh, I lost some saints now. They said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And the raising pay is in the eye of the employer. He's going to tell you what you're worth. You may have your own appraisal, but he's going to tell you what he thinks you're worth. Hello. He said, be content with your weight. And that's the key right there. What is your weight? There are people at Murray right now making 200000 a year. Twenty other thousand a month. And yet they may not be as happy as Zachary. We only get allowance of a dollar a week. Did you give you none? Zachary said not, not even that much. <laughs> He's shaking his head. He's happy with a whole lot less. <laughs> Zero. Now he can say bad, he's got nothing in his pocket. <laughs> I just called the family feud right here. <laughs> but think about it. 
One thing about wages, wait, I found wages is deception. Wages is the reason why we're in debt. Wages is the reason why you credit. It deceives us. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some things here that I think I look at here. Now, you're going to sound like meddling, but I'm not meddling. All right? We're told that we should learn to be content. Now, I'm not going back to Solomon because Solomon just wasted his life and wasted his time chasing the, the, the wind. And finally, when he came to his senses, he said, you know what, folks? You end this way. This is the conclusion of life. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Now, would have been nice up front? But the backside, he learned that. At the end of his life, he realized this. I wasted my time, my life, and so on. Chasing. Never be content where I was, where I'm at, what I'm getting. And, and the finding fault and whining and carrying on. And I found that God doesn't like when you do that. Because in Psalm 78, everybody in this church needs to read Psalm 78. Israel never had to have a shoe factor following her. Or a, a seamstress or a tailor. Because they, for 40 years in the wilderness, didn't have to change their shoe. Or change their clothing except to bathe and all that stuff. But no new clothing was needed. And there was no fabric store close by. Hello? They had bread given every day and there was no bakery around. The meat shop was being supplied. Never ran out of goats and cows and sheep. One thing they didn't have was pigs. There was no bacon. <laughs> but they had everything else. But not one time did Israel ever thank God for anything. They find fault. We are tired of eating this. We're tired of eating that. We're tired of this and we want this, we want that. And so they always wanted but never gave thanks for anything. And God got mad at them. Can I say amen? Praise God. So all right. So it's all about the me syndrome. All right? The me syndrome. Our greatest source of depression, because Solomon was depressed, in fact you don't know it. He went through manic depression. Time up, time down, time up, time up, time down. And he's wasting his time and his age and his energy chasing things that never brought him satisfaction. And the thing God gave him should be enjoying, he never gave thanks for. Now, David was a different person. David went in the house of God, got off the throne, saw the floor, said, God, who am I? What am I? That you should give me all these things. David is the one that taught Israel how to give thanks. He taught Israel how to sing praises. He's always thanking God. And that's why God said, he's just like me. He's just like me. All right? How many of you want to be content in the state that you're in? Paul says, learn these lessons. Number one, in whatever status I find myself in, I'm assuming I'm in the will of God. I must be content. If I'm in the will of God, I'm going to be content. Now, you may have a better car than I've got, a better home in your eyes. It's better to you, but to me, it's not better because mine's fulfilling my need. It's giving me the shelter I need. So whatever state I'm in, I must be content. I must be content with the resources God put in my hand. I must be content with the ways God allowed me to have. 
and the employment he allowed me to be employed in and the means by which God supplied my needs and thank God for the supply and thank God for the source and thank God for the shelter. Now, you know, I'm sure the hotel I'm in might not be a five-star, maybe a two-star, but I'm still sleeping good. I don't care how many stars yours got. I got a star in mine, too. Hello? And Paul says, in the wilderness, those who gather much didn't have more than those who gather less. Because less matched the need. I got a family of five, you got a family of two. Respect God to give you the same amount of money. But in terms of satisfaction, it's equal. Hello? So, next thing I want to understand is life. Not only must we be content, number two, we must uh, learn how to be content. And number three, let's understand what life is all about. Life does not consist of the abundance of things I accumulate or own. Because I can't take it with me. I heard it for so long, I look at it until the death taken from me or the crook took it or the tax been done. Or my greed does. What I need to learn today is that what's my life consist of? Not the abundance of things that I possess. But am I living in the will of God? Is this where God wants me to be? Is this what God allows me to have? What can God entrust me with? And can I see the hand of God as a provider for me and giving me all the things I need? Then I don't have to steal. I don't have to lie. I don't have to be a Gehazi. Praise God. I can be a David. Who am I, God? What am I that you should consider for all this. All right? We bring nothing in the world and you take nothing out. So if there are four things to learn about life. What is my life? What does my life consist of? Number three, I brought nothing in. I'll take nothing out. Whatever I have, somebody else before me had it. And their time is up. No, I'm using it. And pretty soon I'm losing it too to somebody else. Amen. All right. The key to contentment is having food supply. I don't care how much, you know, these fridges in Canada here is unlike in the Caribbean when I used to be there. In the Caribbean, you don't freeze nothing, eat it today, and that's it, it's done. Tomorrow you buy again. Here you freeze things over and over. Now, in the days of Israel, you keep things for the next day, it stinks. The worm comes out of it. I don't think you shouldn't. But pray that there's no power of failure for too long. You're going to stink anyhow. And worm going to come out of it. Hello. Number two, do you have raiment? Be content. Remember number one, you got food supplied? Thank God. You have your raiment? Thank God. Number three, <laughs> be content. I know a pastor, he said, look, I haven't bought new suits for years. No, I can't say that because I have this discontent spirit in me too. The problem is, I'm so content in eating so much, now they can't fit me anymore. But there's a time when it was fitable, and now it's not suitable. 
and I can't wear it, and I won't give it away. I'm just looking at it, like you do. But I can't do a thing about it. Hallelujah. Every time I try to put it on, and the two ends won't meet. <laughs> what? I had a Solomon problem. Praise God. All right? God promised to supply all of my needs. Tonight, tonight, everybody in this church, I'm going to prophesy to you, all your needs are supplied. Now, you may not think so, but it's all there. But we may have the Solomon Syndrome. Vanity. I'll be honest with you. I can't pick up my wife because she can't sue me. It's not allowed in court. But we go to a restaurant and she takes forever to pick a meal. Because she's not hungry. If you're hungry, friend, you grab anything they give. And forget about hygiene. Your hind teeth gonna get involved. You ain't gonna wash your hands. And if you think you will, let's go on a mission field. Hello. A plane crashed, and they're on the mountain, and the guy hit his friend. You gonna blame him? I don't care if it's rare or well done, eat him. <laughs> Survival is a key. You've got to survive. Worry later. Sorry, friend. Give me that finger. <laughs> I'm sure you can thank God for it. The Lord supplied. Thank you, Lord. What are you going to do? Are you going to starve? Now you guys are hypocrites. What would you do? Contentment begins... When I am thankful for what I have. When I appreciate the help I'm receiving. When I can count the blessing and realize I didn't have it before. When I begin to act grateful for the privilege and the opportunity that comes my way. Now I think God spoils me. I think I just keep giving, giving, giving. I'm God's brat and I like it. I love being God's brat. What's your problem? Kids, if you got mom and dad right now, you watch mom and dad. One of you is a brat. Because you always get from mom and daddy what you want, and the rest can't get it. Oh, this, is that right, kids? Amen? Amen, kids? Oh, my God. Sworn to secrecy here. I grew up, I knew who the, their favorite was. It sure wasn't me. I was on the outside circle. Took at my finger. <laughs> Made it for the losses. Stop finding fault with what you have, where you are, who you are, where you are. I told you, if you don't like what you see in the mirror, get rid of the mirror, but don't get rid of yourself. It's true. Hello. And, you know, says right now if you are like me the size I'm at 
You know, I don't walk with men with flat belly because they're trying to show me up. I walk with guys with bigger tummy than mine. So I look good. And ladies, you can figure out the rest for yourself. But recognize you're taken care of <laughs> beyond your means. Now, I like this on plane when they upgrade us. Oh, I just sit there and act like we own this thing. Now, I know we couldn't afford it. I know we haven't afforded it was a gift. So I eat everything they gave me except the alcohol. I don't want the alcohol because that's not in my system. Not for my system. Now you can and I'm sure you guys have done before but I won't. Alright? Alright. I guess somebody said, well Pastor Neil, we can't even get on an airplane. Well think about being on one one day. You'll be there one day. Amen. But how to get rid of your depression? Or how to get depression. Let me tell you how to get depression. You know well how to get it. It's all about me. Poor me. Poor me, oh my. All right? Poor me syndrome. And it's someone says, I want this, and I did this, and I found this. And it's, look up, how many times I use the word I. More time than God. It's I, me. I got me this. I got me this. And when I got it, I didn't want it. Now, folks. I'm sure right now, you ladies, you have more shoes in here than a shoe factory has. It's true. My wife could have a hat shop. She could. If you want, you guys want to visit my house, come and see. I'll show it to you. I'll give them away too. But I got suits too, like a suit, like a suit factory too. We don't. We just, we're just like that. We're we're spoiled. But so are you. You don't want to confess that. Amen. And I don't want the world to think like my God is a stingy God. Come on, somebody. Amen. In all things, give thanks. Thank God I'm not growing this too. Ooh, God. Let's the Lord make it rich. You know why I'm so big? But know why? My wife is improving on her investment in me. <laughs> Number two, I got a life insurance called a whole life. She's going to make sure I die soon. So she do feed me to my mouth. Kill me, put me in the grave quick. The best way to get rid of your husband is to feed him to death. Feed him until he just drop dead. <laughs> get quick cash. No, church, don't do that. But you know, you know, we can make our belly our God. Is that true? I, you know, one thing about age, age prevent me from eating like I used to eat. I can tell I'm not a teenager anymore because when I'm done, I feel so sick. Ooh. But guess what? I do it again. <laughs> I do it again. Hoping my belly will stretch. <laughs> Am I the only one? You guys be transparent. If it's true, clap your hand. And the rest of you not telling the truth. Amen. But why should I live an unthankful life? A discouraged life, a jealousy life, huh? Our bondage. Now, I must tell you the truth. My wife has no bill. All the bills are mine. Amen. You know why she has no bill? She always called me X. She said, charge X. <laughs> so I'm the one paid all the time. My name is Bill X. <laughs> Praise God. 
Well, some had a problem. Emotional disturbances. It's sources, all right? God blessed him. Now, folks, hear me. How do you spend your waking hours? And I found you can't push God. It's like pushing a rope. I'm going to push a rope before. Try and push a rope. It doesn't work. Amen. Emotionally, he's driven out of control by desire to have what he cannot afford and is a nervous wreck and not giving God thanks for what he does have. Number two, his feelings are, are, are being defeated. How many of you felt defeated because you didn't get what you want? Amen. And it, it, it's so unreasonable. His expectation is beyond his pocketbook, and it drives him crazy. Now, I don't go in a shop, but you know why? Because if I go downtown, I'm going to buy something. Now, you guys going to get married? Learns very quickly. When you marry a wife, buy lots of books to read to you. Sit down with you. See if it is shopping with her eye. And she will not pick what she look at. And I promise you, she will look at 909 things and then say, I don't want it. Back to the first one. It's true. And if you don't like that, friend, tough on you. You're going to have an unhappy life. But if you're doing, amen, Solomon has a problem, right? Self-distrust and distrust. Amen. You want to keep up with, in fact, he couldn't keep up with the junk because there was no junk in his life. He was the smartest guy on earth. Amen. All right? Negative. Negative feelings. Negative self-talk. Come here, Caleb. Kids can put pressure on their parents. Because of what others wear at school. And if they don't get it, they become discontent, disenfranchised. Is that true? But in New York, I know a situation where boys turn to drugs. You get quick cash, own a radio, drive a car they couldn't afford legally because of discontentment. Or the friends have one, but the friends had it through unrighteous means. And then he come home and put pressure on a mama or a father who can't afford it. I know you wouldn't do that, or do you? Look at your mom. She's looking at you. She's laughing at you. Is she laughing with you or at you? Ask her. Thank you very much. Praise God. Now, folks. He's lack of energy and he's draining. Now, something I want to point out to you here. The unfortunate reality of this young man called Solomon, that his life was affecting Israel. When he died, the Bible says his son, his son, instead of stopping what dad did, he made it worse. The people here says, son, your daddy greed, we couldn't live up to it. He taxed us so much to entertain his whatever he was doing. Could you take a tax off us? And we will be happy. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And it split Israel. Discontentment will break up marriage. It will break up family. Because greed leads to breaking up due to discontentment. 
Now, I got it on this board. Can I see this board here, please, somebody? We're over here. I like what Agar says. Agar says in chapter 30, I love this. And yet, it's kind of selfish, but it's, it's better than being greedy. In Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9, he gave God, two, he gave God three conditions. To, <laughs> he said, God, I want you to do one of these three things. Now, God, you choose what you want to do for me. Turn it up. Look at it very quickly. He said, two things I desire of God before I die. Didn't say I want a revelation of truth and all that. He said, no, 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 no. I want God to do these two things for me. Give me neither riches nor poverty, but get me right in the middle. Right in the middle. Contentment. He said, if you make me too rich, I may find it too hard to serve you. And if you make me poor, guess what? I'm going to curse you. Therefore, give me what's convenient. And I don't know what, how God responded to that, but that's the question he raised with God. He said, okay, God, do this for me, and I'll be satisfied. Really, that's a selfish prayer. David prayed this way. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. It's exactly what Jesus taught. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be had unto you. Now, so Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned what state I'm in. God allows it. And I don't need to fret. Just seek God first. And then watch God add to me as he sees fit. Because you know, he knows I can't take nothing that he gave to me. But while I'm on earth, I can enjoy it. And when I, my time has come, I got to get rid of it. Amen. Let's worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. All right. Personal enemy number one is I should have. I want you to challenge tonight your self-talk. Stop downplaying what you've achieved. Thank God for small morsels of success. Small wins. Thank God for a small win. Someday you get a bigger win. When I say win, I mean what you've achieved. Thank God for that. When that baby made the first little walk, it's not like you walk. We get excited about it. Why can't you get excited about your advance when it's the same as that baby did? Huh? The baby tries to say the first word and it's muffled. It's, oh, my baby just spoke. You lied. I know you lied about it. My baby just spoke. That's what you want to believe. And you celebrate it. Hello? Why can't we do the same to ourselves? Where we, where we challenge our self-talk. All right? Or are a voice that's in our head that bothers us. You're a failure. You're a failure. Look what they have. They're the same age as you. You're the same time in this place. And look where you are. Look where they are. And bugs you. It nags you. And you can't pray through. You can't worship God. You can't live for God because you're talking to yourself destructively, not constructively. And you're not giving God compliment. You're criticizing God and yourself. And so why did God all this happen to me? God didn't do a thing to you. Hello? God gave you what you need for that moment. Come on, somebody. God gave you what you need, all right? 
the internal voice. Stop it. And then this unrealistic belief, self-defeating belief. Why can't I like so-and-so? Come on, church. I like when these young men talk on Sunday. They're not competing. And I'm watching for it. Don't do it. Your voice is not like my voice. And your touch is not like my touch. Amen. And you know what, church? Does the care of God give this man a cathedral for a church? And you're in a storefront. Amen. The Holy Ghost is still the same. <laughs> Let's worship the Lord. The sermon is still the same. We have to overcome self-talk, worthlessness, uselessness, powerlessness, and hopelessness. Once you overcome that, then God can continue to bless you. And now you're seeing, hey, I'm not alone. God is with me. I'm not carrying this cross alone. Those footprints I see is not mine. It's God carrying me. It's God's footprint. It's God blessing me. Amen? So tonight, I want you to give up your inaccurate, unrealistic, untrue self-concept about what you have. You know, I, I'm telling you, because you will pay 100000 for a car, I'm not going to criticize you about that. Me, if I have to pay $5, it's still too much. Still too much. Amen. But if you can do it and be happy doing it, fine. If you're on vacation and be happy doing it, do it. When we come back, don't regret it. Hello. After you step out, don't regret it. Be committed to what you've done. And be thankful you did it. God allow you to do it. Now, God, let me finish the job. Let's worship God again. Come on. All right. Now, I want to talk to you about something on this board here. This here. If you're not happy, naturally, you will not be happy any other way. All right? We're back to this chart again. What is my life? What is my life? What is it? Some people live treasures on earth, but nothing in heaven. Is that right? They got nothing in heaven. Now, I'm not going to walk around and beat them up. That's their choice. But I believe I can have the best of both worlds. Is that right? I can. Because number one, I know where my source of income comes from. That is important. Now, you young boys need to realize you can choose today how you're going to live tomorrow. By the way, you apply yourself at school. By the way, you invest your time when you're out of school. I promise you, while you're playing ping pong, now the boy's in the library studying. He'll be your boss. While you're running the streets, others, amen, 
are doing their assignments. God be your judge. I'm telling you right now. And when you grow up, you cannot envy them. Because they're reaping their reward. It's no different from putting money in the bank and get future return on your investment. Now, saints of God, look at this one more time, please. Because I want you to go there. Where and what is your source of income? Solomon had everything given to him. He never had to work for it. Do you have everything given to you or do you have to work for it? It makes a difference how you spend it. How you got it will depend on how you spend it. Easy come, easy go. Now, the worst way of getting money is to borrow it. Because you may become a what? A servant to the lender. And you can't pay it back. A lot of Christians are over their head in debt. And they all, from I know, always blame God. And God's not always in the bailout attitude. He sometimes does it. But when he doesn't do it, not because he can't do it, but he wants to teach us something. Otherwise, you're going to be right back to where you were before. Now, wages is your greatest autonomy. Your greatest autonomy is the wages you get. You either get it by your physical strength or your mental capacity. Think about it. Or both. Now, this is a cycle of life that someone's talking about. If you look at the scripture, that's exactly what it's talking about. And it's important that you understand life. You understand life. Because when, when we all die, it makes no difference in the sod whether you're rich or poor. <laughs> the worms just eat you the same way. And Solomon saw that and that bothered him. That the poor and the rich go the same route. And the the, 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 the foolish and the wise go the same way. He said, this is a waste of my time. He's upset. Well, guess what, Solomon? You're not God. God can arrange it this way. All right? Now, where's your treasure? We can have it in heaven and also down here. The one down here you spent, the one in heaven is your security for future life in the world to come if you plan to go there. Right? Now, let's move on here. Now, the Christian life, look at it, look how different it is. They're in both worlds. All right? They have uh, treasure in heaven, and they have treasures down here. And so they have a good life that they live. Hurry on here. Okay? We're talking about emer emergency living. Now, it's amazing how we expect God to be a handout God, and a lot of people does it. And it's a pastor that says, none of my Christian walk. He sure does. Because if your pocketbook <laughs> is not making you happy, the black book won't either. 
And I, I'm not sure any of you can survive these 10 points I have here. Even tonight, if you stop and think about it, and when push comes to shove, amen. And we're in Revelation chapter 6, where people have to weigh out their weight, weigh out their food and all that stuff. What will you do? What will you say? How will you cope? Put it this way. Right now, if we all lose everything we have, can we survive? I know one thing about North America and, and primitive countries. Primitive countries could, could survive if there's an outage of the sun and the power. Because they're used to primitive way of living. North American couldn't. Because we used to flick in the switch. If you can't flick the switch, you're in darkness. You freeze. You can't build a fire. You can't strike a match. Right? Now, <laughs> So it says, seek a friend before you need a friend. Seek the fun before you need the funds. Hello. Now, I won't go over this again. I've done it already. And these are ideas that people have. This is not my ideas. These are ideas people have about how we approach what God gave us. What God gave us. The woman was going to eat her last meal and die. So the man of God came in her life, and now she's sharing what she has, and now she's going to keep on living. Folks, never tamper with the source that God brought supply to your life. He brought a raven. Don't shoot it. <laughs> or it won't come back tomorrow. Hello? God gave you a brook. Don't poison it. God gave you a widow. Don't despise her. Hello? She may not be your favorite cook, but eat her meal, please, to survive. All right? These are some things with cost of living, how to, how to handle it. Now, I want to say to you, when you get married, now, some of you are married, some of you are not. When I'm single, all my problems are mine. When I get married, I take on one more problem, my problem and her problem. And I've got three problems. My problem, her problem, and our problem. And then we've got one more problem, the taxman. You know, an unwelcome partner in my life. <laughs> I don't welcome them, but they're in my life. And they take what they want from out of my pocket. But it's one purse, and they're taking it from me. So we're going to realize that if you don't plan to take care of a wife, don't marry one, young boys. And girls, don't marry a guy that got no money and no career because you got problems. Somebody looking at me like, well, he's good looking. Time will take care of that. <laughs> he's got muscles, don't worry. Age will take care of that too. Old Arthur will visit him. <laughs> Arthur knows how to fix those joints. Hello? We've got good looks. Oh, don't worry. It will all disappear. It came to pass. Praise God. Now, this is not what I want to show you right here, but I want to show you something else here. How many of you, now I'm meddling now, have an insurance policy? You're married. You got kids. 
Don't put your hand up. No, 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 no. That's the thing. How many got an insurance policy, a security plan? But if you pass away, you want your partner to the good quality of life for the rest of their life. How about your children's education? Should you think about it? Kids are more than just a cute thing. They're expense. It's an 18-year term limit. Lifelong payment, outpaid. Yeah. And guess what? They can sue you after age 18 if you don't continue education for them and they want it. Lost they can. They can sue you for continued education without promising you a seat that isn't home when it's all over. Amazing, isn't it? How many of you ever stop in the church and think about the fact that I'm getting old. If I wait too long to get something like this, it's going to cost me too much. I can't afford it. And if I get it too early, I'm going to pay more and take care of the older folks. And I'm paying a higher premium. But how many of you ever stop and think about this? You know, in the Bible, there's a lady. Her husband died and left her a bill. Unpaid bill. Unpaid what? Bill. He's in heaven having streets of gold and wall of jasper and in, in, in the third heaven and she's down here and the creditors want her and her kids. You sure didn't have this plan. Pastor, stick to Acts 238. I am. I'm thinking about your funeral now. Real funeral. <laughs> Church, look at this. You say, well, I rather term, you know, we, we talked one time in church, and one guy said, no, I'm not going to do this, because when I die, my wife's going to marry somebody else, and he died, and never had insurance for his family, and his wife is badly sick, no health program for her, and he's dead, and she is crippled up, and the kids had no, nothing prepared, because he wouldn't do it. That's selfish. He was in the church. No one said, well, I bother because if I do this, then my wife's going to marry somebody else. That's evil thinking. Now, that's the reason for a wife to get discontented. Kids don't know th th what's going to happen, but hello. How many thought about this? Terminal? Well, I can have a terminal if I want to, but the problem is, after a terminal time is up, I lost everything. The terminal says, I'm going to die before a certain time, right? But if I don't die, guess what? I lost everything I paid into it. The whole life says you do this. Church, you say, Pastor, this is not your business. Yes, it is. Because the woman and the creditor had a problem. He had no security after he's gone for her. Imagine she's your neighbor next door. Same situation, but taken care of. So you have discontentment. Dissatisfied. Feel bad. God forsaken. Or did she? Should the church talk about this? I think they should. Yes, we should. All right. Someone who painted this, 
If you live to be 100, you get the face value of all of this. And if you don't live that long, you can even borrow money from this because there's it's cash value. See, if you die too early, look what happened. The, 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 the provider, the writer, pay all that money for you. But if you live too long, they pay less. The longer you live, the less they pay. See that? The longer you live, is the, is the more the face value you get. See that? Now, but if you're not working, you can't pay premium. If you're not working, have an income and a wage and planning this, it just don't happen. Well, the rapture going to take place. Guess what? So did Paul thought that too. Do you plan to survive six months after you get fired? Or after you retire? Or got laid off? You see, people working think they'll always be on that job. Not true. Not true. And that's why I never curse where I work. I always bless the place where I work. I pray for them. Because they're my bread and butter. Their survival is my revival. Is this too much? Am I wasting my time? I'm trying to help you. Because some of you are smart enough to see a consultant, and some of you will never seek one. And the multitude council, there's what? Wisdom. Six months from now, if you lose your job, or make Mary go down, could you survive? Would you lose your house? Would you lose your car? Would you lose your partner? It's amazing how friction comes when money is few. When money is few, honey, my love for you too is few. Know your limits. What's your limit? Your income sources. What is it? Know your qualification to get the income you're getting. And sometimes, goodness of God, we are out of our league, out of our lane, for the blessing of God make it rich. Like Solomon was out of his league. He was. All right, your personal finances. Do you control that? Number four, your ability to get a higher paying job. I showed you one time, your ability to get pay goes up like this. It goes, watch me, watch me folks. It goes up, I'm assuming your, your continuing education and learning, and sometimes you peak, and eventually it starts falling. At a certain time in life, your wage ability goes down. It's heading for zero. Do you know where you are in that peak right now? It depends on if your years of life is behind you or ahead of you. Think about it. That's why God put the strip of the ant and the cone and all that stuff to teach us lessons. Solomon did that because he learned afterwards. Look at this, folks. Look here. Can you get a higher paying job than the one you have? Budget? What's that? You mean that weight loss thing? <laughs> one of the reasons why I don't, I don't, I don't lose weight because I don't like weight loss. I think it's bondage, but it's good bondage. <laughs> don't tell me 
not to eat. I want to die happy. Eat myself to death rather than starve to death. Look at this, folks. Budget. What's that? That's, those mean a car rental, by the way. <laughs> Line of credit. Ooh, whoever invented that did not like you. Line of credit was designed. Oh, they don't love you, honey. They don't love you. This is to work upon your lack of patience. Hello. Your lack of patience. And R-E-E-D. I forgot my word there. It's a crossword puzzle. What's the missing word? Letter. R-E-E-D. What's missing? Well, I didn't say it. You said it. Line of credit. Perils of it. What's the perils of it? And the value of your present job status. Think about it. When you lose it, does it make a difference when you lose your income source? Look at this over here. What's the success plan for survival? Budget. You know, if you really budget, you'll always have money to give. Because guess what? My life is no different from the oil company plant in town. They both mean them with a balance sheet. We both have inflow and outflow of money. We both are affected by the same government. But they are doing things I probably won't want to do. Hello? Because folks, are, am I living within my means because where contentment comes? Number three, do I have a spending plan? Number four, do I know where my money is going? Number five, do I cut credit and increase earnings? Number six, do I pay cash and not use credit card to pay for credit card? Vicious cycle. This church reminded me of Sunday night. It's pretty quiet. I thought I missed my message somewhere. I may have missed it maybe tonight too. But don't retire prematurely unless you're sick or you're going to the mission field. Anybody make sure God calls you. Not everybody can do like what Elisha did. Burn all the bridges. You may need to come back home. <laughs> now, folks, does this make sense? Why are we shouting? Why making sense? Now, I got more notes that I mean, you can take, but I'm just taking some, some summary here because time is going by. I can see I'm boring you to death. Do I make sense? Do I make sense? I mean, articulate like I should, but I'm trying to help you out and help me out, too. Early retirement. Now, in the Bible, a priest never retire. A Levite does. A Levite, age 50, is told, leave. 
age 50 you gotta leave you know why because it's very strenuous work muscle required but the priest is a different work the priest does not do the lifting but the Levite does it that's his job so age 15 is is allowed to leave that that job of the Levite he still live off the whatever they get but he has to pay tithes to the priest but at, the priest has to die in the post. A king does not retire. He die in the post. <laughs> and soldiers, usually if you're a soldier, you already give up your life to die. So you don't plan to come back home. So if you plan to come home, you're going to have problems. You will not be happy on the battlefield. You plan to give your life. Now, folks, can you guys see from there? Get a good eyes to see from there. It's amazing how you do this. Next time, show them how you do it. I think you, you know it's here already. Okay. Early retirement. The reality and the myth. Let me point this out to you here. It's a, it's a fad in Canada and North America, this term, retirement. In Greece... That's one of the reasons why Greece are in trouble. Greece, everybody is retired. Nobody is working. You guys didn't know that? Nobody in Greece is working. Everybody wants to have the pension fund. And guess what? There is no pension fund. And the only person who pays the pension are the young people who are under age 40. If they not, they're unemployed... There is no pension fund because the money you paid in, money of time value. Inflation also messes it up. Hello? And when these kids get older in Canada, there might be no pension for them. None at all. It's gone. And yet they pay for years. Not to mention they graduate from school. How many of you got money for your kids' education? On the side. How many of you are planning for that? Don't put your hand up, please. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass those who don't have. Some do, some, some don't. You know, once you start having babies, once you start having babies, it's you're going to live for that baby the rest of your days till they're 18, 19, 20. If you don't, don't, if you don't want to do that, your life will be miserable. Because they're going to determine when you can go on vacation when you can't. Yeah. What time you go to bed, what time you don't. What you buy, what you can't buy. Yeah. They run your life for you. And then when you get old, they forgot you in the senior citizen home somewhere. They may visit you. Ooh. Now, kids, you don't laugh. You're getting old, too. Mom and dad are saying to you, as you are, I used to be. As I am, so shall you be. So your days are coming too. But look at this, folks. You know, the myth. They said, oh, age, not, age is irrelevant. I can retire anytime I want to. Number two, they said, I have enough cash to last. I have enough. I don't have to worry about it. You know, oh, man, I'm healthy. I'm strong. And, oh, my, I can find equal job to replace it if I quit. And so, you know, I, I don't need the insurance, RSP. I got enough bank account, line of credit, take care of me, and so uh, money won't run out. I'll be okay. That's a lie. 
All that is a lie. And yet we do it. Hello? When the nightmare comes, the negative impact. All right? They, they lost a job, ability to get a job, lost income, and lost benefits. They gave it up. They gave it up. They walk away from benefit, group insurance, and all that. All the perks they used to have, they don't have it anymore. And they end up using their saving because the unforeseen hit them. And their dream now become a nightmare. And the inadequate saving they had for retirement is gone. And the independence is lost now. They become dependable on family members giving handouts or soup kitchen or whatever. And problems start starting over. They can't start all over because nobody wants them. They're too old. The skills are diminished, not are outdated, and the nasty surprises hit them. I gotta face my creditor, and with all that, I got a health issue. I got a sickness. I gotta go to the hospital, and the bills are so much. Blue Cross won't cover it. I got no insurance. Uh, I got no package program. Time for me to quit. Solomon was worrying where he shouldn't be worrying. Should we give him thanks? It's amazing that we don't worry about the things we should worry about. And the things that we should be getting thanks for, we don't. But look at this, folks. So they so they jump into retirement, they do it. They, they you know, our people are unfaithful with their job. They they jump change jobs six times in one year. You know, they just not faithful. And now, business and contract is two different things. But I mean, as an employee. Okay? So after they make this retirement, you know, early retirement, they call it, hard time hits. The economy falls through, like in Greece. They're too old. Money runs out, or the value decline. It's right now, the exchange rate between the states and Canada is 1 to 1 to 0.33. Look at that. Wow. You might not worth nothing. Mm. You can't cross the border anymore. Cost you 33% more. All right? Money runs out. Number four, you quit too soon. You didn't get a good severance plan because you quit too soon. Or you lost your group benefit and now sickness hits you when we need a group plan. Because group plan, you pay a whole lot less. If you're on your own. Ooh. Mr. Neil, I'm in trouble tonight. I could hear it. I could tell it. Right? So suddenly you change your mind. Oh, uh, I made a mistake. I left the job too quick. I shouldn't have left. Now I'm facing it. I know guys from when I was working at a plant, guys left, quit, got their seniority, went back home to some part of Canada. And three years later, they came back and at the very rock bottom and minimum wage. And they lost seniority. They spent and lost everything they had. It runs out. Uh, they changed their mind. They dropped out too soon. Now, they drop. There's a drop in the standard of living for them. They're no longer employable. Our people don't want them anymore. They're disabled. 
and group insurance is up on them, can't get one. They can't go into whole life, it costs too much. Term life is too much. They can't travel overseas like they want to, can't afford it. Uh, the pension is inadequate, debt load is too high, minimal income, and they're living on cat food and dog food in the restaurant and don't want to know it. You watch people in the store these days, watch them in the, in the pet section, they're buying dog food. You know who the dog is? Them. You know who the cat is? Them. People do that. Desperate people eat anything every time. The nest egg becomes spoiled egg. Look at this here. Quit too soon. You know, we could be in a, in a time when the economy is booming, boom and bust. When you, Kirby Caleb, beginning again. When you reach 40, the world going to change on you. From now to 40, you have all, all the prospects in life. After 40, you're downhill, like it or not. You better be president or vice president or be shrewd, shrewd business person because you're going to have a tough time. And your earning power is going what? Down, 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 down. And your learning ability is going what? Down, 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 down. And your strength is going what? Down, 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 down. So you're going to live off what you had when you were 25 and 50 and so on. Thank you. Think about it, guys. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. High earnings, high standard of living, company benefits, some savings, group in group group plan. We have it all, and it looks pretty good. But you know what? Number one, we may have an unrealistic economy in our life. I mean, if I ever get relocated, it won't be there. I mean, go somewhere where the expense is higher and the wage is lower. It won't take long, like in Joseph's day, the seven years of plenty is gone by the seven years of lean. <laughs> Eat it up. So I got put in the Bible for us to learn. Seven years of plenty, and Joseph had a plan that said, you know what? Don't be a victim of the coming depression. Plan for it. Amen? And so... They retired, but they have no interest to collect. They're paying out interest. They have no dividend to pay it, to receive. They're paying it out, etc. And the reality hits them. But the, when they try to come back into the workforce, they find they're not employable, or savings are used up. Down living dropped. Cannot regain losses. They're cash poor. Their pension is adequate. The living low, no insurance, and they're faced with death. Oh, church. You know, those senior homes. It's so sad to watch those seniors. Those golden years of youth. They wish they could. They wish they could change things, but they can't. Families are far away. They're being pushed into a hole, depending on government handouts. 
if you were to check how many millions of dollars passed through your hand and mine from your work age to the time you quit, you'd be surprised. And yet we don't have 10% of it saved up for the advanced years. Oh, think about it. So plan retirement. I recommend you hold your job as long as you can until you're forced out of it. Build your nest egg and hatch it yourself. Build a force to hatch it. Nothing wrong with a whole life or a term life. You're going to need it if you've got a family. If you've got no family, it doesn't matter. When you, when, you, when you and I die, we should only have one dollar left after we die. And the rest, we use it all up. Boy, you better not leave a bill behind. <laughs> all right. Emergency savings. Five years beyond retirement. You know what people are doing now? Living in the air where cost of living is lowest, 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 lowest. Low. But then you also get disconnected from familiar surroundings. There's always a trade-off involved. Look at this here. RSP, secure the plan. Number five, comp you know, these are things you know, you're, you're going to lose if you, you gotta, when you have them, use them. You know? I don't mind telling you, when I was at Suncor, I should have bought in there all the shares. Because when I, when I was there, it was cheap, 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 cheap. And the price went up, 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 up. A lot of guys did and become rich out of it, and some don't at all. Well, I didn't get rich out of it because I didn't I was not interested in it. But it, it was lower than the prices today, much lower per barrel. So even though it's low today, back then when I was here, it was much lower than that. And look at this, folks. I'm going to stop here because it's late, and you're looking at me very strange. <laughs> okay? Your funds should outlast your living. Understand. We should plan to retire debt-free. If you plan to retire, get rid of your line of credit. <laughs> and start planning for, for receiving interest paid to me. I'm not paying any out. Ooh. I'm not going to live on a line of credit. It's cash or nothing. I'm not going to hold a credit card no more than one second. I'm going to pay rent on the day's due. I'm not paying. And, and the credit card hate people like that. They hate people who pay it on time. They can't stand you. They hate you with a passion. But you're using them for your benefit, and that's legal. Hello. This is also tax shelter. Tax avoidance is okay. Tax evasion is wrong. You know what I'm telling you, this, folks? There are people in church, just they stress. You know, they don't manage money. Money manages them. And really, they don't need more money. They need a better budgeting plan. Where's your money going? You have it. You got it. 
Where are you going? All right? Your health program. Do you plan for your health? And uh, Blue Cross is not everything. You're going to travel an airplane, you go to the States. You know, you know, you're going to jump on a plane over there. One little needle could cost you $1,000. A cotton could cost you $5,000. I said, God, I said to my fellow pastor, God, how could you dare do that? My Lord, in a country like that? Deadly and dangerous. All right? Plan, stand of living, will and testament. And let's go, John. Let's stop right there. A clean slate. Start living all over. You know what they do in the States? You folks don't know this. And I haven't touched this yet. And I won't touch it. And I won't touch that. I promise not to talk to you about this next next five years, okay? So don't worry about it. We know what they do in the States. If you is a senior, they will not give you any support until they drain you every dime you got. Now you are really dependent on the government. Because they tell you what home to go to. And they tell you what medicine they're going to deprive you from. Solomon had it all. And I believe God gave me this to tell you tonight. Because he doesn't want you to fret. And be worried and be destroyed. He wants you. Amen. To make sense out of what he Amen. If God give you a pound of cheese, don't eat a pound of cheese. Speaking of you, here and I tonight. If I say, okay, Caleb, you're a young man. I'm going to give you $100. Don't spend it until you're 40 years old. What should he do with it? Invest it. Should he spend it? And if he does, what is he? What is he? What is he? If he spends it. Eh? This would be what is he? If he spends it. I won't call him that. <laughs> He's so stupid. I won't call him that. What, what what is he? Not very wise. Not very wise. Right? Because somebody believed that that can grow. Make it what? Grow. Make it grow. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. It's not that I'm through. We used to do this in restaurant, and we stopped doing that now. We used to eat on the plate, and then we say we're full, and half of the meal is on the plate, and it goes to the garbage. That has to stop. Well, I don't eat leftovers, then don't order so much. I saw in the paper or on my computer a country that forbid a shopping place like Safeway and all those marketplace to dump any grocery the next day. It's a, in a, one of these countries in Europe. It's, a, it's, it's outlawed. They cannot do it. 
they finally are waking up to the madness of what they're doing. And anyway, if they're dumping it in the garbage, somebody's going to go there and eat it anyhow. Are there any questions on this side, apart from my meddling? Any questions? Is there anything you learned from this? I already know it. Boy, how about here? What do you invest in? Who wants to answer that question? What do you invest in? <clears throat> Get rich quick scheme is deadly. Lose your shirt. Now, I don't gamble. Well, I'll tell you how a gambler think, and if I was going to invest, so I'd invest. If I'm going to Las Vegas to gamble, and I don't gamble, <clears throat> I would take X number of dollars that I can afford to walk away and not quarrel about it. When I jump on that plane and go to Las Vegas, I'm going to gamble that X dollar. I hope to win. But after that, if I don't win and that money's used up, the gambling is over. I'm coming home and we will not have a fight over it. It's my disposable. I can afford to lose that. Don't worry about it. And you only invest in high like stocks and bonds and all those things. First of all, you have to know the game. At least something about it. But if I was going to buy stocks today, I wait till they all fall to the bottom and then buy it. I would. Anything on the bottom, I wait till it all fall right down, down, down. And when it rises, start rising, I'm not going to wait till the ceiling. I'm going to change it quickly. Bang! And cash in on it. Here's what we don't do. I'm going to tell you this right now. And we could, but we won't, because we're not that smart. I'm not putting it down either. If we were smart people, and you could do this and beat the bank, the bank will not give you even 1% interest per year on your money, less than that. They give a fraction, even though they make millions off you. But what would happen if I had two accounts in the bank, one in U.S. dollar and one in Canadian? Can you imagine that? And I have a thousand U.S. dollars right now. Or two thousand. I go to the bank. I said, "Bank, I want this one thousand changed to Canadian. I just make three hundred and thirty dollars Canadian in one minute, which I could not make in several years." Am I telling the truth or not? Is that true? And the bank don't like when you do that. Can you do it? Of course you can. How many does that? Anybody does that here? Don't put your hand up. Zachary, don't put your hand up. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's my point. But I promise you, there are people doing that. Money rise and fall, people stay home and win money on their computer, electronic transfer, back and forth. 
Now, I was in the Caribbean. They don't pay taxes in some of those countries. You can buy a house there, and you don't pay taxes at all. And all the money you make can here, you can buy homes there, several homes. Mansion by the, on the seaside. Beautiful things. You don't pay tax then and ever. But the Canadian government is going to search you out. Hello? And any capital gains you make over there, they want you to tell it. Hello? But all the rich Canadians, that's what they do. They buy and sell because there is TD Bank in those countries. There's Scotia Bank in those countries. And, you know, you can, you can pick up all of your income right now and save it in Grand Cayman's Island and make exorbitant interest and then charge you no tax at all. But King, I'm going to ask you, where else do you invest? And if you don't, then you're paying tax evasion and they may lock you up. Tax, right? But even if you pay taxes, you're still ahead of Canadians. I mean, understand that. That's what they do. So what would they invest in? It's a matter if you want to play the game, how much are you willing to lose and not cry over it? Am I right? Right. Low-level investment. It's like almost a game. You put your money, not only mattress, but you put your money in the bank. And you put your money in the bank, and you say, okay, I know I get low return on my, but my, my capital is still safe. Christians should be smart. Keep safe capital. But if you want to play the entrepreneur business, that's your, that's your way of life, go ahead. But the best way to make profit is have a business. All right, somebody else. 